growing up, I was a straight A student. I was very certain of where I was headed, what I had to do to get there. And then I find myself in this huge career transition where I'm new to this, right? So I'm just open and willing to absorb and learn. And I think the interviewers and uh, everyone I spoke to as I was trying to get into these companies really appreciated that being comfortable and embracing the learning curve uh, was one of the biggest challenges for me. I'm the kind of person to want to see results really quick. And, And I've had amazing support and just a really great community to support me throughout this. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Job Title Podcast. I'm your host, Cesar Romero. And in this podcast, we share the journeys of successful underrepresented tech founders, executives, and professionals. So whether you're seeking inspiration, mentorship, actionable strategies to advance your career, this podcast is your go-to resource. My guest for this episode is Suitenia Palacios. And in this episode, we dive deeper into her career as a teacher and making the pivot from teaching into tech. What are some of the transferable skills that uh, she carried from her teaching days into her tech roles and emphasizing the power of being adaptable, resilient, and continuous learning. And just like a quick fun fact, I recorded this episode back in October of 2022 but then i had to put the podcast project on pause on the shelf as i was trying to figure out uh, the direction and some personal things going on but now that we have some traction and this will be episode number 20th yeah i decided to publish the episode because there's some too much valuable wisdom and nuggets share in the episode uh, and please make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes uh, and that's one of the best ways to support the podcast and that's it thanks so much for listening and here's my conversation with Sutania palacios let's start with being a teacher what prompted that that path for you why did you decide to to go into education and what are some of the biggest lessons that you learned during your time there Yeah, that's a great question. So a lot of people that look at my resume ask the same uh, because I studied, so my undergrad uh, degree was in business management. I worked to some capacity as as an intern in a big four accounting firm and then came back, switched my major, (laughs) learned a lot through that experience. Definitely got to see what the consulting world is. Met a lot of great people and then, yeah, came back, switched my major and then pivoted into the nonprofit world for a bit. Got to see a lot of the operations side, fundraising side of the nonprofit world. And at the same time, because I'm a, I was a first-generation college student, I was working part-time jobs and even volunteering in schools. So I was a substitute teacher for a while. So just very involved outside of my academic life or outside of my college life. I was very involved in the education space. And I ended up falling in love with it. I met a lot of great teachers, a lot of really great leaders in the education world and that really inspired me to to make that move. And at the time, it was my last year in college and I got approached by a Teach for America recruiter. So the whole point behind Teach for America is they recruit people from non-traditional education backgrounds 
So outside of the education major, the education program in universities and put them in, give them the training, the tools, and then put them in, in schools. And so, yeah, that's how I got into education. But a lot of it was because through volunteer and part-time jobs, I just fell in love with, with the work that it's teaching. <laughs> I love that. What was it about teaching that made you feel in love with it in the first place? Yeah. So I think primarily I come from a low-income background. Uh, I'm a first-generation Mexican-American, so first from both sides of my family, actually, to to be born here in the United States. And having that experience, I was then living in Austin, and I found a sense of home and community through these schools. And so a lot of the work that I was doing, it was very personal to me. I thought back to a lot of the teachers that influenced me and that inspired me and that ultimately led me to become the person that I am today. But back then, I wanted to have that same impact on someone. And for me, it was a way of being in my community or with my community and also giving back. And yeah, so that's, I think that's the biggest reason. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I love that you mentioned giving back as a way to, to give back. That's so important. And yeah, you, you and I have similar background in that regard, which can talk about <laughs> but I'm curious about you mentioned during the internship something that made you stop and realize wait a minute this is for me I need to pivot for this what was the realization for you what was it about that experience that made you pivot into nonprofit? I was working in a consulting firm that program specifically was with an audit I had great mentors I honestly mm -hmm. was so grateful for the experience but and I tell my sis, I'm the oldest of, of four, four daughters. So I tell them the same thing, right? You need to try things because everything ultimately is a learning experience. You take lessons from everything that you do. And the biggest lesson for me was I loved the aspect of working with people and coming up with creative, innovative solutions to real world problems and that connection piece again, right? And But ultimately, the technical part for me, I didn't see myself really doing long-term. Uh, and maybe before the internship, I thought my journey was going to look like kind of this really set path going into this firm or staying with them and maybe getting a CPA. And uh, then I was like, maybe this isn't for me. My heart wasn't all spent on this, yeah. but I did take a lot of the pieces that I enjoyed and that really truly felt authentic to me from that experience. And then ultimately applied them in different in other different areas. And again, I think that connection piece and really connecting to people and working towards a bigger purpose is what um, led me to pivot into the nonprofit world. So you were drawn by, by purpose. And something that, that I mentioned there is that it's okay to try things, right? It's okay to experiment because that's how we learn things, Nothing, uh, especially about ourselves, right? What you resonate with, what you, what you don't. So having that courage of, of taking a stand that, hey, this isn't for me. I think I'm going to, I'm going to pivot, right? Because a lot of people out there, they might feel it, but they don't have the courage to act for whatever reason. So I think mm. that's, that's awesome that I do that. So fast forward, you go for, you get a role teaching, right? Mm -hmm. And you do that for a, a couple of years. Mm -hmm. there, there comes a point where you feel the need to make a change, right? To pivot, to make that transition, which is now in the tech. What was that 
moment for you? Like what prompted that transition you know, from teacher? What was the main reason that drove you to make that change? It was during the, the pandemic, during the COVID mm. lockdown and as the world was changing, um, education, the education space changed so, so much. And we had to pivot very quickly. We were working from home and we were figuring out how to do this, how to teach in the virtual world. So with very little tools, very little time. And that in and of itself was a learning experience too. I, I had to become flexible and adapt and find very creative solutions, right, to what was happening. I think it was a, a time for a lot of people of just a lot of reflection. At least for me, it was a time of a lot of just self-awareness, right? Because you're home, <laughs> you <Yeah. laughs> have nowhere to go. So you're sitting there like after work, right? After work hours or uh, outside of work hours for me, it was a lot of, okay, for the first time getting in touch with, with those parts of myself that maybe I was so busy in my day to think about or to connect to. And this is also a time where my mental health became a priority for me. For the first time in my life, I really saw a couple of things that I I was concerned about for myself. And so it was through working, I reached out to a coach because I, I hit a wall. I found myself in this really dark space for the first time. And that's, a real, that's really the first time where I um, started working with a coach, a therapist slash coach. Mm-hmm. And so at the time I said, how can I like feel like this if I have a great job. I love my students. I, I love what I do. I work for a, a great school. I, right. I'm part of this awesome community. Like why? What's happening? And so it was for me learning that I'm very multidimensional. I'm very multi-passionate and being okay with even the possibility of my path looking different. At the time, I didn't know what that was going to look like. I just started mm-hmm. getting comfortable with that idea of, okay, my path can change. And yeah, that prompted the the start of this the whole journey, right? Of what is my next step going to look like? But it was through coaching and that was, yeah, kind of in the middle of, of the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, the pandemic, I think, forced us to reevaluate our, our priorities, right? And I love what you mentioned there about getting a coach and, and asking for help, right? Because mm-hmm. for a, a lot of people, I, I don't know, ego gets in the way or, or they might think that coaching is not for them, but yeah. I disagree. I think coaching is one of the best investments that you can make in, in yourself, right? Especially, especially the accountability part. Oh yeah. <laughs> the coach keeps you accountable for what you say you're going to do, right? Or whatever comes up. Um, yeah. All right. So you do some soul, soul searching, get a coach, get help. What's next? I love the, that you called it soul searching because that's exactly what it yeah. was. <laughs> yeah, I truly have had, I feel very fortunate. I've had the privilege and merit to work with amazing coaches. And what you mentioned, the accountability piece. And yeah, I think part of uh, a large part of that journey was one, coming back to myself and in the self-awareness of, okay, what, what are my strengths? I, I remember one specific session, a coaching session that I had. That was, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the concept of ikigai. It's a Japanese concept. Yes. And it's the blend of different pieces. One of them is, what am I good at? What are my strengths, right? And then what, like, what fulfills me? What does the world need? And then how can I make a living out of this? And mm-hmm. um, so kind of finding that, that intersection between all of these pieces, I started 
thinking through this and really working through this. And it's a process, right? I thought this, I could probably do this in, I don't know, a week. Uh, I should have, I should have a good plan within a week. And it turns out it, it can take a little longer than that. For me, it was a lot of being very patient with myself. And as I continue to learn and grow, because it's, it's learning about myself. And yeah, so through this journey, I decided, okay, this is going to be my last year teaching. I talked to my leadership back then. It was very clear on why, right? Mm-hmm. Why I had decided this was going to be the, the, next, the next thing for me and why it was the best path. And, and then ultimately, I started researching. It took a lot of research and talking to people. So I... I knew I had a business background. I had this also background in education. What can it look like? And I just started looking for job postings and reading and anything that feels right. I'm like slightly interesting or slightly exciting to me. I'm going to reach out to people doing that. And so (laughs) this led me to, yeah, a couple of months (laughs) of like reaching out to people on LinkedIn and emailing back and forth or having scheduling coffee chats and yeah, I guess this oh, just opened up a ton of possibilities for me. And yeah, like I said earlier, I again found myself in the space where I was just trying different things. I was applying to to just different jobs from anywhere from sales to marketing, some management roles, instructional design, even you would within the, the education space. And all of that ultimately led me to better up. So I found this the technology or SaaS space. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was so interesting because it's for the first time I'm in the space where it's all about innovation. It's all about like, how do we move forward? And at the same time, I never really pictured myself in a sales role or in a a partnership development role. My dad has always worked in sales and I was like, okay, cool. Like good for him. But you know, I never could really connect the dots, connect to the dots. I'm like, you know what? I I do feel like a lot of, I I see a lot of the personality traits as very similar to my dad. So how hard can this be? And yeah, it turns out I love what I do today. I'm still connecting in a very Mm -hmm. different way to people, not necessarily as a teacher where I'm educating or teaching them something, though in many ways, this this is what the the role entails. But yeah, to answer your question, it's been a long journey, a lot of a lot of asking questions, just willingness to try different things uh, and be open to the possibilities. <laughs> I love that. I love it. And a couple of things I want to uh, summarize here or highlight is number one, doing the inner work, right? And you read about it, but a lot of people don't take the time to actually do that inner work of what do I want to do? What are my values? What do I believe in? What's my mission? What's my purpose? Uh, and it's so important, right? Because once you get clarity on that, then you can take action based on that, right? Which that's what you mentioned. Like one, once you, oh, and one important thing too, it's like, it's not going to happen overnight, right? You probably have to do a few versions of, of that inner work, right? But with each version that you do, you get a little closer to that guy, I guess. And then from there, taking action, right? Like reaching out to people, seeing what's out there in, in terms of roles, job posting, organizations. And yeah, it's a long process, but it's it's great to to hear from someone that, you know, that that is the process, right? Because I think where people skip that, 
they end up probably in an organization or in a role that is probably going to be not a fit for them. And most likely because they didn't take the time to, to do that in their work. So I think that's amazing. So what's been the most unexpected challenge or lessons learned that you have, have had so far for making that transition? What was something that, and oh, I wasn't expecting this. Uh, yeah, that learning curve, right? At the mm-hmm. beginning, there's this learning curve and I'll give you a little bit of context into my upbringing and how this might be relevant. But growing up, I was a straight A student, just very high achieving kind of poster child. And I was, it was very, I was very certain of where I was headed, what I had to do to get there. And then I'm, I find myself in this huge transition, right? Career transition where I'm new to this, right? So I'm just open and willing to absorb and learn. And I think to this makes me think of one of the the things that got me here is just that. I think the interviewers and uh, everyone I spoke to with, as I was trying to get into these companies really saw that and appreciated that. And so anyway, yeah, I think just being comfortable and embracing the learning curve uh, was one of the biggest challenges for me. I am the kind of person, right? I could be the, t- the kind of person to want to see results really quick. Um, yeah. And I've had amazing support and yeah, just a really great community to, to support me throughout this. But uh, that was definitely one of the, the biggest challenges. I also work in a very fast moving dynamic industry, right? Mm-hmm. There's so many changes. So a lot of rapid, there's a lot of like rapid learning and especially you're not used to maybe being in, out of school for so long, you're not used to kind of taking in so much information and then applying it. I think also having a coach was super, extremely useful for this. But that was one of the challenges. Another one I would say is this kind of competition aspect mm-hmm. because I didn't find myself connecting to a lot of people that were in my shoes. Mm-hmm. There are some people at my current company that, were former teachers or come from the education space, which is great because I'm like, yeah, we're in this together, right? We're here now. Yeah, exactly. But you also see a lot of people that have been within this industry for a really long time. So it it was hard for me to kind of step away from that mindset of I need to be here or Mm -hmm. I need to, yeah, just like this competition and really acknowledging that this is my process and everyone's and, and honoring, right? The the fact that everyone is on their own journey and it doesn't all have to look the same. And yeah, yeah I, think, I would say those two have been kind of the, the biggest challenges in transitioning. Yeah, no, it's the comparison game, right? It happens to everybody, I think, but mm-hmm. uh, it's important that not to get caught up in that because we all have our own personal journeys, right? Now, when you made that transition, what were some of the transferable skills that you brought from your teaching years? For me personally, I think my approach has been very centered on empathy, right? So even thinking back to my experience in consulting as an intern, right? It's you're really trying to collaborate with someone and you're trying to problem solve together. So it really does need to be centered on empathy. And in my current role, where I'm usually the first point of contact between a potential customer mm-hmm. or a potential partner of BetterUp and the company, a lot of these people have never heard of. They, they don't know who we are. So it's up to me to come in with a lot of empathy of, hey, this is what's going on in the industry. This is what's going on in the world. And then this is what's, what maybe 
I see is going on in your company and how can we work together? But it comes from this place of empathy, of understanding, of wanting to partner with, with someone and, and yeah, like work towards a common goal or a common vision. So I would say that's one. Another one is this creativity, right? As a teacher, uh, I had to find creative ways <laughs> to get a message across. Over the course of my teaching experience, I probably taught over, I don't know, more than 350, 400 students, right? Year after year, you're kind of constantly having to innovate. And uh, in my current role, it's the same thing. I'm talking to people from all different industries, different seniority levels, different backgrounds, different ethnicities. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's been also an opportunity to flex, to continue flexing that muscle of, of finding creative, innovative ways to communicate, to get messages across, to connect. And then a last one I would say is the strategic planning, right? Teachers that are, some of my friends that are still teachers tell me, what, what do you mean strategic planning? I'm like, yeah, we used to do this all the time. You develop a plan, you right. have this curriculum, right? And you have to kind of have an end goal in sight. You're taking students through this journey, but you need to go, you need to know where you're headed. And it's the same with my, in my current role. I uh, have a plan in mind and then we backwards plan, right? Okay. In order to get from point A to point B, there's all these steps that need to be taken. And there's these people we need to talk to or information we need to gather, so on and so forth. And so I would say those three are the most transferable skills from teaching to my current role now. I love it. Right. And, and they're all very important skills, right? Yeah. No matter where you transition into. Was there any advice that you ignored, whether from your family or your friends, as you were making these transitions, right? Any advice that you thought that's, that sounds great, but I don't think. <laughs> yeah. I would say maybe not advice so much as a, like a general belief, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to think, especially, I don't know, coming out as a teacher where Sure, we there's a great community and I had great coaches as a teacher and a, a great principal, right? Great leadership. But a lot of the things we had to kind of do ourselves with the which just how the education space is at the the landscape and the environment, you have to be resourceful, right? You have to kind of find things on your own. And sometimes you'll hear it all the time, like even pay out of pocket for resources that we need. And right. so a belief that I had is this belief of independence. I can do this, you know, mm -hmm. alone. And I think I, it, it took a lot of trial and error to, to come to the realization that, no, I have a, a very vast network from childhood friends to my people in my community now to friends and family and people I went to school with, mentors I've had in the past, from the past. And so just really leveraging this community and knowing that, no, I don't have to do it all alone. And then obviously leveraging the work that I was doing with my coaches as well for accountability or accountability partners. <laughs> yeah, that's so important because it, it happens to me as well. I used to think that I, I had to do things alone. And I don't know if it's a Latino thing or yeah. immigrant thing because you have to do things for your own. Yep. <laughs> there's there's always this community out there, right? So yep. it's important to reach out and to ask, because um, most more often than that, people are are willing to help. Oh um, yeah. All right. Now shifting gears, I want to talk a little bit about coaching, because um, I'm very impressed that you look for coaching. Right? And a lot of people out there don't even know what coaching is. What is the biggest misconception that you see out there when it comes to coaching? 
I think the biggest misconception that I hear is that coaching is therapy. And from a personal experience where I've experienced both, I've been on kind of both sides. I would say therapy really focuses on that self-awareness piece, but from a past perspective. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of unpacking a lot of, yeah, a lot of past experiences and how does all of that affect who you are today, your current mindset, your current beliefs, and then you work through that. And where I, I think coaching, the difference here is that it's very much focused on the present and the future. Okay, where are we today? And then again, taking some of the mindsets and beliefs and then just being very forward thinking. I think, and just based off of my experience, I've worked with coaches that are also licensed therapists. So for me, it's helped a lot to kind of have the kind of the best of both worlds. But I know that's not everyone's jam, right? Some people do prefer just kind of that or or prefer to have both uh, separately. Mm -hmm. Or there's people that prefer one over the other. But yeah, I think that's the biggest one I hear. Another one is like the mentor versus a coach. What is a diff- what's right. the difference, right? Because throughout our careers and throughout our lives, I think we do we do have a lot of mentors and people that uh, are willing to share their experiences with us and maybe provide uh, examples or serve as role models and give us advice and, and guidance. And um, so a lot of people think that's what a coach is. So a lot of people say, I already have, I have five of them, right? <laughs> um, but they're really mentors. And a coach is really, the, I guess the, the key difference here is uh, a coach doesn't necessarily tell you or give you that advice. They, they kind of bring it out from you. Like it comes from you and they kind of, they're there as a sounding board to really get that wisdom and that inner knowledge from yourself. Um, and then walk you through what next steps could look like for you. But it's really kind of the homework's on you. <laughs> so, yeah. That's amazing. Also, that's the best, simple, most clear explanation I've ever heard. <laughs> coaching, therapy, and mentor. So, thank you for that. <laughs> um, You're very welcome. <laughs> now, on, on, on LinkedIn, there's something you mentioned on LinkedIn about coaching and how it's uh, helped you grow in resiliency, authenticity, self-compassion. And I wanted to ask you about that. Like, what what were some of the roadblocks there, and how you'll be able to grow in this in these areas? When I first started this journey, so as everyone that starts working at BetterUp automatically gets a coach, right? Like day one, here's your coach. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's amazing. And one of the first things they have us do is take this whole person assessment. And to me, because of maybe I have, it's my business background and maybe that accounting experience, the data to me is the number, show me the numbers. <laughs> yeah. And so to have this very clear report uh, after this assessment of this is where I stand in all these different areas and these like mindsets and behaviors, because I think I had, I can, I saw myself as you kind of have this idea of yourself, but then seeing it on, seeing the data behind that, yeah. the science was really eye-opening for me. After you go, you start this journey and at around five or six months, you retake this assessment. And so it's been really cool for me to see like where I've grown, where there's still areas for growth and whatnot. And yeah, resiliency was my, <laughs> my top. And to me, this is just the ways in which I come back from setbacks, right? Yeah. Get back up. You, you, you trip and, you, and you, how do you get back up? And it's been a mix of how do I manage stress better? And how do I just kind of 
flow with this uncertainty because again like i said my role right now and even the world like there's so many things yeah. going on and, and changes and so how do i respond to that and i used to be very just prone to anxiety like stress and anxiety and yeah i think that working through that and finding tools and practices that i can do to to better to better cope to yeah. to better manage has definitely impacted my level of resiliency both at work and outside of work. Yeah. Do you have any practical ways where you, or tools or practices that you put into practice weekly or daily basis? Yeah, I would say, and this is also related to, I guess, another area that I, I saw that I've grown in, and it's the area of self-compassion. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've been working on with my coach is just positive talk, so positive self-talk, mm -hmm. right? And you don't really think about these things, but it's sometimes even comments that I do say out loud uh, to myself, right? After, yeah, I don't know, something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And even writing them down, sometimes they look at us as affirmations in the mm -hmm. morning, but just being really mindful of, of that self-talk and what I'm telling myself, not being as hard on myself when something unexpected comes up or things don't necessarily go the way I expected them to. Just little things like that in our day-to-day. -day. And then what am I telling myself, right, when I'm in these situations? So that's been one. I think another one has been the practice of journaling. Mm -hmm. I think I've been, I've had phases where I phase in and out of, of journaling and, and having yeah. these like very mindful practices. And that's been another one that has been just kind of an outlet for me to express and kind of observe what's coming up or just, yeah, I guess like put things on paper where mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily just having a lot of, of, of jumble up here yeah. in, my, in my mind, but being able to process better. Um, that's helped too. That is so, because I, I also go in and out from each other, uh, mm -hmm. but it, it's so powerful. We're able to transfer whatever's in your head and onto paper and, and, and just uh, journal, right? It gives you more clarity. There's an author called Julia Cameron. She has morning pages. I think that's mm -hmm. that's her one of her methods. Basically, just journaling the first few minutes of the morning, just dumping mm -hmm. everything that's in your head. Yeah, uh, it does help. It does help a lot. Yeah. And I'll share kind of related to that. There's another, there's a five minute kind of journal practice, but it's focused on gratitude too. Yeah. And that one, I can't remember the name necessarily or the author, but I got that as a gift from one of my close friends. And that has also helped tremendously kind of starting the day on this mindset of gratitude and journaling. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's called the five minute journal, I believe. Yeah, it has a, it's five minute gratitude journal, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> you might know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> maybe absolutely. the same one. Mm -hmm. Awesome, Sutania. One last question, and then we'll go through the rapid fire closing. You mentioned that you're passionate about DEI and inclusive leadership. What does inclusive leadership mean to you? And from your experience and your perspective, how can organizations expand the opportunities that are available to minorities, Latinos? Yeah, that's a great question. And I've been very fortunate to have had information and access to resources and education and trainings from since before I joined BetterUp, just because of my experience in education. And I was working primarily with Hispanic populations, Hispanic and Latinx populations. And for me, it really starts with that self-awareness that we've been talking about, right? There's a common theme, I think it's that inner work. But 
acknowledging and noticing where our blind spots are, right? Even myself as a Latina, I've had to do that work to just, yeah, just be aware of what my blind spots are. Mm -hmm. And yeah, inclusive leadership means working hard to ensure and advocating for everyone having a seat at the table, regardless of background, experiences, age, expressions, ethnicities, race. And that all makes for a collaborative, innovative, and inviting environment, whether it's at work or in our communities as well. Just being open to, from a place of empathy, being able to lean in and learn about people's different backgrounds and, and what they bring to the table and, and opening space for those voices to be heard and to, be, to feel welcome, to feel like they belong. I love that. Love that. Awesome, Susanna. We're going to transition into the part of the show where I call it the rapid fire closing. And I'll basically ask you questions and just give me whatever comes to mind. All right. All right. I'm so <laughs> let's start with favorite song Vivir Mi Vida by Mark Anthony. Oh, man. That's a good one. I love that. <laughs> favorite yoga pose. Let's see. I would say Tadasana or Mountain Pose. Love it. One book that has greatly influenced your life. Yikes, that's a tough one. The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. Mm, I, I love Brene Brown. What are the most worthwhile investments that you have made recently? Goes without saying, but coaching <laughs> in a coach. <laughs> life changing. Uh, yeah. That you think often or that you lives your life by. Oh, okay. I'm going to go with Maya Angelou's a quote that says people will forget what you said they'll forget what you did but they'll never forget how you made them feel yes that's one of my favorite quotes by the way in the last year one belief or one habit that you had that has improved your life let's see walking <laughs> yeah <laughs> just taking walks um, i have two dogs and getting some sunlight <laughs> yeah, well, being outdoors it's underrated oh yeah <laughs> And, and lastly, one takeaway that you want to leave the audience with as, as it relates to transitions. Uh, I'd say be present. Be so present that you're able to observe. Observe what gives you joy and do more of that. I love it. Be present. Sounds easy, but it's <laughs> as simple, right? <laughs> easier well, than done. <laughs> thank you so much, Swetania. This amazing. Thank you so much for sharing with us a bit more about your personal professional journey. And sharing with us some practical tips and advice that we can walk away with as we navigate these transitions. Yeah, thank you so much for having me again, Sisad. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode and thank you so much for listening all the way through. I appreciate you and I hope that you got some valuable information that you can apply to your personal and professional life. If this story resonated with you and you would like to support the podcast, please make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate you and I look forward to serving you in the next episode.